0: Have you ever had a leap or an IUD placed? How informed are you about the effects that gynecological procedures could have on your birth? Have you talked with your care provider about your complete medical history? I'm Don Thompson, the founder of improvingbirth.org. Today on PreggyPals, Pals, we're talking about cervical scar tissue and the effects it can have on your birth.
1: Um, is that a plus sign?
0: Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating?
1: I think I just peed
2: myself. I'm pregnant. And I have to
0: exercise? What pregnancy glow?
2: Wait, was that a contraction?
0: (laughs) Gotta (laughs) make these pants
2: fit!
1: I've got kinkles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way.
3: Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Annie Laird. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Preggy Pals Club. Our members get special episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. See our website for more information. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app, and it's available in the Android, iTunes, and Windows marketplaces. Now, Samantha, our producer, is going to give us some more information about our virtual panelist program.
2: Thanks, Annie. So, if you don't live in San Diego, but you'd like to be a panelist on our show, you can still participate through our virtual panelist program. Just like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram using hashtag preggypals. We'll post questions throughout the week prior to our taping, and we'd love for you to comment so we can incorporate your thoughts into our episode. You can also submit your questions directly to our experts. Learn more about our VP program through the community section on our website www.praggypals.com. All
3: right, well, let's go around the table and uh, introduce ourselves. I'm Annie. I'm uh, 35, turn 36 next week. I'm a uh, government contractor, and I have no due date. I have three little girls. Uh, and Let's see, one of them, two of them were born at hospital. One was a planned home birth. We transferred to the hospital, and then the last one was a home birth. So I think we're done. I'm I'm I think, I, I, I just need a break. So, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, I need a diaper break, so. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Love it. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm Samantha. I'm the producer of Preggy Pals. I am a stay-at-home mom now. I am no longer working for Coffee Bean. Hey. Yes. Can you make me coffee? about it. I can still make it. Oh, okay, all right. I just don't want to make <laughs> strangers coffee. Yeah. Uh, um, I have one little girl, Olivia. She's 19 months old. Uh, I do not have a due date, although I wish that I did. And she was an unplanned cesarean, and I'm hoping for a V-back next time around. All right, great for you. All
0: right, so I am Don Thompson. Kind of introduced myself already, Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as my personal life, I have six children, um, two stepchildren, and four that I gave birth to. I had three C sections and finally a vaginal birth. Yay! Uh, (laughs) uh, So, which has uh, ultimately. Carved this path of starting a nonprofit organization. Yeah, and you've been
3: doing that for. I think that was one of the first times I met you yeah. personally. Was That's probably right. what three years ago or three so. years ago. Yeah, we've yeah. been doing it
0: three years yeah. now, a little over three years actually. So yeah, well, you were you came to my house in your uniform because mm-hmm. you were still active duty. I was. Yeah, and came and uh, painted some signs. Yeah, yeah. Rally coming up this fall
3: again, so That's it's right. just getting bigger and bigger every year. It That's is. awesome. Good. Today, for us on Preggy Pals, sometimes we review apps or news articles. Not really review, just talk about them. So, this uh, news article that caught my eye was French Women Don't Stay Fat After Baby. And it said, don't blame yourselves, American moms, French women. Now, it it talks more about postnatal care as far as the stomach muscles and pelvic floor muscles. So it's not really talking about, you know, you ate too much ice cream or something like that. But what it's saying is that uh, French women, you know, here in the U.S., we have, you give birth and it's like, hey, see you six weeks later. I mean, if you're lucky... They see the baby maybe at two weeks later at a two week appointment. But for, for the women ourselves, um, our postnatal care is pretty abysmal. She says, We often envy the French. But apparently, there's one area that we should genuinely feel green eyed, and that's in postnatal care. So they get 12 half hour sessions with a post. Uh, natal uh, physiotherapist that specializes in re- rehabilitating the pelvic floor and abdominal muscles. Wow. Uh, which I think is awesome. So I, I don't really like the, the the title of this article. It really So the whole article is talking about bringing the stomach muscles back together that sometimes uh, in some pregnancies some women can have a separation of the stomach muscles. I have that actually. I'm having surgery in
0: four weeks for it. Really? Yeah. Because oh. it's been, I have like a full two inch gap in my abdomen.
3: Yeah. I got a, like a, a three finger gap, yeah. you know, and yeah, I'm trying like... to get it back together, but it's so inferior because mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm 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 losing weight from breastfeeding. Right. Um you know, but, but it's, it's like sticking out right there, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I got still yeah, nice. it's
0: pretty extreme. Yeah. I got yeah. like like a pooch basically. Yeah. And it's like But at the top and not at the bottom. Yeah. Like what the heck?
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shouldn't be like that, no. so yeah, and then uh as well, pelvic floor mm-hmm. uh and then so the article goes about in, in addition to kind of having the mummy tummy that we we kind of alluded to here, mm-hmm. you know, talking about you know running without peeing yourself or mm-hmm. you know having stress incontinence that a lot of that core muscles and the pelvic floor muscles really um helps
0: women not uh have urinary incontinence yeah and the um uh, doing the kegels doesn't cut it yeah that's which we've all been told is what we should be doing and it doesn't exactly do 100 kegels yeah it doesn't help the pelvic floor actually yeah yeah Mm
3: -hmm. i've actually uh um gone to a pelvic floor physical therapist but it wasn't included in my postnatal care it was just something i had to seek out on my
0: own on your own right yeah
3: yeah but gosh wouldn't that be nice i think uh if american women could get that. For so. sure. Yeah. Seems
0: like a, you know, we should be care preparing ourselves to a lot of different countries because a lot of countries are doing a lot of things better in maternity care. Mm-hmm. And and we really should be emulating them in a, in a lot of different ways and this obviously is one of them.
3: Yeah, I agree. Today on Preggy Pals, we're going to be talking about cervical scar tissue and the effect that it may have on your birth. Joining us in the studio today is Don Thompson. Dawn is a labor doula, and she is the founder of ImprovingBirth.org, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping women make safer, more informed decisions about their care and that of their babies. Welcome to Preggy Pals, Dawn. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. So... To start off here, a lot of women, I don't think, even know what cervical scar tissue is. So what what is sc- cervical scar tissue?
0: So ultimately, it's just a, um, it's been described in, there's two different types of cervical scar tissue and, and how they're produced. But essentially, um, one of them is more of an external, like so it's on the outside of the um, cervix, and it feels like what... Um, midwives have described as a grain of rice, um, like uncooked grain of rice. It's a small scar where something caused like a leap procedure, which we'll go into, causes more of a circular um, scar within inside the cervix, which um, many have described as a rubber band. Like it feels like there's a rubber band on the inside. Ah, okay. And that's a little more extreme. And and um, sometimes the one with the rice, uh, uncooked rice, mm-hmm. will um, – Basically, resolve itself on its own yeah. and doesn't need a whole lot of help. But the other one typically will need some some assistance. Would you would they able
3: to be able to see that during like a pelvic exam yeah. or something like that? Because, no. Because
0: yeah, because the cervix has to thin in order for it to be recognized, and it has to start thinning and dilating, or at least thinning. Mm-hmm. The thinning is the most important part because the cervix normally is pretty thick. I mean, a lot of people. I really encourage you to go look up pictures of cervixes because most of us have no idea what are. Isn't there cervix like a website like. called uh, Beautiful Cervix? Cervix, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful cervix project. Is oh, okay. What it's called, yeah. yeah, and and go look at what they look like because it's it's you know it looks like a donut essentially. Mm-hmm. It looks like a donut, and so when it's when, it, when you're not mm, in labor, donuts. it's very very. Thick. <laughs> <laughs> it was National Donut Day yesterday. It was. was it? We're running on that theme. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> exactly. Um, it looks like a big thick donut, and when it starts to thin, it literally gets to a paper, piece of paper. Yeah. yeah, and so until that happens, that's why unfortunately you can't. Deal with it until you're actually in labor. Ah, okay.
3: So, what are some of the ways that women can even get scar tissue on their cervix in the first place?
0: Um, so, lead procedures, cone biopsies, um, uh, cryo procedures, which most most aren't doing those anymore. What is that? Um, is, that is that like is, freezing? Is a freezing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, where they yeah, where they <laughs> freeze the cells on the cervix. Oh, would that be in case of
3: like cervical cancer or something like that? They would do or.
0: Yeah, or or just ad- abnormal, which oh. which unfortunately this is this is part of the problem, right? When we have mm-hmm. the well, HPV, yeah, HPV is a huge epidemic at this point, and and many many women suffer from it, and so it's very common for them to even though a lot of the HPV would resolve itself, right? If you go in and you have ab- abnormal cells on your cervix, they want to remove them, yeah,
3: because it's not just like HPV is just one virus. It's there's many many different varieties of it. Correct. So, there's yeah. a, like
0: a hundred over a hundred strains yeah. of HPV. Yeah. So.
3: And some of them like you said resolve on their own and some Yeah. Yeah, very few of them
0: actually develop into to cervical cancer, but um it's hard it's you don't know which one you have unfortunately until there's a biopsy done. Uh. And even a biopsy can close. So a biopsy is when they take a tool in there and they literally like bite off a piece of your cervix, which, of course, you can imagine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But as you can imagine, though, that would potentially leave scar. Yeah. And it's important to say that not every woman would develop scar tissue. Mm -hmm. So but unfortunately, you don't really know if you're the woman who's, you know, who develops a lot of scar tissue. I didn't know that for myself. And um, it's funny because I went around teaching about scar tissue for many years, um, long before I went and had more children. You know, I'd had my first children when I was very young, before I was a doula and all of that, mm-hmm. but when I went to go have my second, you know, my my third and fourth child, um, ultimately cervical scar tissue was my nemesis and and uh, or you know certainly not my friend, yeah. And um and I would have never imagined that I had anything because I'd never had a leap procedure or a cone biopsy. So what Be- is a leap? Uh- so a leap is where they literally like scrape it. Okay, yeah. All right. they, mm-hmm. they 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 scrape the the cervix. They take a tool in there and they it's kind of like the tool like how they do a circumcision. Okay, like right. that how they you know, pull that skin off. So yeah. um, it's very similar to that. Okay. So you can, that's how you can imagine, like just visually imagine having that scraped and why there would be that rubber band type yeah. scar tissue within the cervix, right? Because that's what they're doing. They're kind of scooping it out. And there's lots, I mean, if people want to go look up lead procedures, there's, there's lots of images on there so that you can see um, not, not um, actual procedures, but you know, like when they're drawn, you know, not, not an actual photograph, but you know, stupid word that's yeah. not coming A picture to me, that's but, not a picture of, Drawing. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A diagram or there a, yeah. yeah. Something. So um so anyways, but so you can look at different different procedures, but um not everyone is gonna develop the scar tissue, but unfortunately there's no way to know until you're in labor whether or not you're gonna have that. So. Right.
3: Yeah, and I know we talked earlier about um you know, so we've been talking about leaps and cone biopsies and, and things like that. But what I was surprised about with uh, women that have had a cesarean, that have no procedures yes. on your cervix that just with cesarean because they use the, the tool sim, like a manual right. dilator.
0: Exactly. Uh,
3: that a woman who is for example say had a DNC. Yes. You know had to or an it. IUD place Yeah. Or, yeah. You, know, just, you have no idea that a woman who's just had a pre- previous cesarean well they still have to open up the cervix. Yeah. See but that's, that's me. I've, yeah.
2: I've only ever had one cesarean so I'm like mm-hmm. oh I wouldn't have cervical star tissue. I don't there's nothing going on. Down right. There. But yeah. the only
0: but here's the difference though. It's if, if you die dilated during your first birth then they wouldn't do that mm-hmm. this is only for scheduled c-sections when the cervix hasn't opened oh. so what they do is they manually dilate from the top to open the cervix so that the the, the blood flow comes out yeah where oh. if you've already dilated if you got to three or four or five whatever centimeters when you were in labor then they wouldn't there would be no need to do that oh, okay so That's it's typically yeah but so i had only had um i'd had a dnc for a miscarriage yeah before and then i also had an iud place mm-hmm. but my IUD had been placed. Not every—that's another thing to to know. Not every um, provider uses uses the dilation, um, the automatic dialer to put the IUD in. Some just insert the IUD without dilating the cervix. Mm-hmm. So. That's something you would need to know. Yeah. You know, you should know. And it's certainly something, it's so funny, you know, I mean, it's about really taking part in our maternity decisions is that those are the kind of questions you should be asking your provider. If you're going to get an IUD placed, how are you going to do it? Are you yeah. going to dilate my cervix? Or are you going to insert, like, these are all questions that we should be asking. Right. Instead of like, well, IUD or pill, you know, right. like, okay, whatever, just, just whatever. do, just just do, do it. it. I don't want
3: yeah. know to the, know the details. Exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the effects that scar tissue can have when a woman goes to give birth then? So, um, and as you as you said, can could, yes, could have yes, not necessarily will have correct yeah. But
0: it's 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 more common than most people realize, and I really think that it's one of the probably one of the bigger issues for for c-section other than induction um because so many women don't know, and neither do providers. That's really important. They aren't taught in medical school. They are taught about cervical scar tissue. They're not taught that it it causes causes dystocia and labor. What it de- what they're taught is that it can cause the cervix to not hold a pregnancy mm-hmm. and to to dilate and thin out too so soon. The,
3: so yeah, so it's the opposite of, or this the uh, the concern of oh we might need to
0: cerclage this woman's cervix. Correct, cervix correct, close, you correct. Know. and not the opposite. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the the biggest problem with it is that nurses aren't taught and they're the ones doing the vaginal exams during pregnant or during labor. Um, you know, the doctors, as we all know, um, many people might find this surprising, but the doctor usually shows up about the last five minutes of your labor, you know, maybe 10, unless you have, you know, great doctors like we have Dr. Cap, who like to who who like to be part of the pushing process right. the whole time. But most most care providers are not. You know,
3: right. and I think there is a, that's a huge misconception. I was just at a birth this past week uh, and the the um, mother-in-law was in the room. She was Greek, you know, so she had not had her children uh in the country but she's like she's looking around at me and she like I'm looking at her, at her daughter and her daughter and has to her daughter-in-law where's the doctor where where's the doctor i said oh he doesn't come till later and she goes well like like when like you know 30 minutes later like when when's this guy gonna get his butt here my daughter-in-law is having my grandchild you know like, and like right, right, right. we had You're to explain like, that like no, no she shows up at the very end. Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah, the
0: nurses call her in. Right. So they're the when, ones when, the, when they're starting to see the head. Yeah. No less. Right. Yeah. yeah. Stop yeah. pushing. <laughs> yeah. Stop pushing. Okay, now we got to call the doctor. And yeah. yeah, it's a really bad misconception. But we, you'd ask me another question about, you know, some of the things that it, you know, what it does in labor. Right, right. So I got a little off off topic oh, on that fine. one. But, but ultimately, it's... Um, Essentially, it can do a lot of things, but probably the most common thing we see with a, like a LEAP procedure, for instance, is mm-hmm. that a woman won't be going into labor. She'll have just ridiculous amounts of prodromal labor of starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And, and of course, and starting in the middle of the night and stopping course, in the morning. Of yeah. course, of course, yeah, oh, so yeah labor exhausted. all night. And, 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 and this can go on for a week, two weeks, <sighs> you know, yeah. where, you know, I, I think it's important to know that it, the, the problem is that in... Um, a posterior baby shows a lot of the same signs so making sure that you're addressing those issues as well that the potential that your baby is posterior causes a lot of the same um, confusion about you know um, a lot of uh, prodromal labor will happen when when the baby is posterior too so but but um, if you have a risk for for cervical scar tissue you certainly should be paying attention to these things. Uh, it can also cause dystocia of the labor which means that the cervix kind of stalls or stops, um stops dilating uh but the i want to back up a little bit yeah. when the when you have a leap procedure the thing that we see a lot is that finally when labor starts sometimes it's with the water breaking mm-hmm. prematurely or before you know labor begins um and then labor will finally get going and mom will be rocking it out two to three minutes apart she is great labor and totally yeah I yeah. mean and you're thinking you know as a doula mm-hmm. you, you and and as a parent you go to the hospital because you're in you did all the things it's been two minutes apart for an hour you gotta be at least five feet, five centimeters yeah dilated. yeah exactly yeah. and they walk in and they're one centimeter or half a centimeter or not even a fingertip dilated which really was what happened that's how I found out about cervical scar tissue and I mm-hmm. I, I could share that story because it was my sister and um, she had had this prodromal labor. She lives up in Lake Arrowhead. I was traveling. I went up there the week before. She's like, okay, things are starting. Went up the week before, labored with her all weekend long, off and on labor, off and on labor. And I'm just like, okay, hun, I got to go home. This isn't real labor. So I came back home. She went to the midwife the next day. She had midwives at Kaiser. Went to the midwife the next day and they said, your fingertip dilated. And I thought, what how could she have been like like I can't even get my finger in there how could she have been laboring so much over the weekend and not done anything so I just thought oh, okay it's my dramatic sister <laughs> yeah <laughs> chalk it up mama and so a week later her water broke and now keep in mind she'd have been having contractions all week long nonstop, all day all night but I mean she could move on with her life they weren't you know horrible they yeah. were just like okay I'm tightening again I'm having the pain I'm you know all those yeah. things so um I now I know okay water's broke we're we're for real now so I go up there and she had chosen to labor at home for as long as possible. And I got there and seven minutes apart, seven minutes apart, seven minutes apart for 17 hours. And I was just like, something's not right, Mindy. I'm so sorry. I know you wanted to do this as long as you could here. But we – I really – my gut is telling me we need to go in. Something's. it's just not – they're not getting longer, stronger, and closer together. And so we went. and But she was in. I mean, there was no doubt. She was exhausted. She was working hard. There was – it wasn't like, you know – mild surges like she'd been having the week before. And we walk in and now this is a new midwife who she hadn't, you know, had only seen once during the time. And she did a vaginal exam and she's like, your fingertip dilated. And I'm like, what? What? How is this possible? You know, and I'm just like racking my brain thinking, how is this possible? Mm -hmm. I've just been watching her labor for hours. And and then she said, but you're like 90% effaced, 100 almost 100% effaced. And I thought, well, that's weird. That doesn't you don't have zero dilation and almost fully effaced. Like what? That just doesn't make sense to yeah. me. And then suddenly she, you know, she still has her hands in there and she says to my sister, "Have you have, it, have you had any procedures done to your cervix?" And my sister said, "Oh, yeah, I had a leap procedure done a few years ago." And this was her second child. I had been telling her, your birth is going to go so fast. It's your second oh, baby. Oh, no. <laughs> but there, but she had had the LEAP procedure mm. since she had had her first baby. OK. And she's like, that's what it is. You have cervical scar tissue. And I was like, how have I been a doula for four years, and I've never heard of cervical scar tissue? Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'm going to see if I can get in there enough to see if I can break it up. And sure enough, she, my sister went immediately to three centimeters.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And... They um, – and they went ahead and put it on Pitocin, which was a mistake, but whatever. <laughs> um, They put her on Pitocin, so she immediately went into, like, rock star, you know, yeah. surges and checked her an hour later, and she was four centimeters. And so she went in again, and she could feel – you know, when she was doing the exam, she could still feel a little bit of scar tissue, and so she, you know, ma- uh, manipulated again – and which, by the way, they say cervical, you know, you massage the cervix to get the scar tissue out, which sounds really kind. But it's not comfortable. Yeah. Um. But I've seen lots of women do it and get through it without medication. It's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm climbing the walls. It definitely is uncomfortable. Massage is, is definitely probably not the word. Yeah. But manipulating the cervix is probably a better word. OK. Anyways, and an hour later, my nephew was born. Wow. wow. So she went from four to complete and pushing out my nephew an hour later. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. And so it was the first. So I pulled that midwife aside and I was just like, tell me, tell you me, gotta it. fill me in. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. And she did. And I started doing, I, I started, I immediately went home and tried to do some research on it. There was absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. There was nothing on cervical scar tissue. Wow. And so I wrote a blog post about my sister's specific experience. And then I started talking to midwives and the midwives are like, of course we deal with it all the time. I'm like, why isn't there articles like why isn't the internet full of this stuff like i mean and immediately i started going back through many clients several clients that i knew i mean i even called one Mm -hmm. after because i was sure because she went up having a c-section and i called her and sure enough she's like yeah i had i've had three leap procedures wow and she'd never dilated wow never dilated and and so it was you know the missing puzzle piece. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I've had clients who have been rocking their labor. Like I mean, like you think they're in transition. Yeah. And you walk in and they're one centimeter dilated. But also then the you you've got a care provider who's willing to get in there. Yeah. And and come into the hospital, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the first thing, right? Yeah. We just had that discussion about how the provider doesn't come until the baby's coming out right. or and or there's a problem, yeah. right? So now we have to call, we have to ask that nurse to bring a provider in. Yeah. And so it's so important to make sure that you have a provider that is aware of cervical scar tissue, knows how to deal with it, and is willing to come to the hospital when you're in labor, when yeah. in the early labor and, and deal with it.
3: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that after the commercial break. So when we come back, we're going to be discussing how to talk with your care provider about cervical scar tissue and what they actually would do to, as John says, manipulate the cervix. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today, we're discussing the issue of cervical scar tissue. Don Thompson is our expert now. Don, you mentioned that the midwife uh, with your sister that she manipulated cervix. What? So, what exactly can the care provider do? Uh, you, you mentioned is during labor that this has to happen, uh, but what are they doing to actually break up that scar tissue? Well,
0: they're, typically it's just done during a vaginal exam, and they're oh, okay. using yeah, they're so just some, using some special technique or something. No, no, yeah, I yeah. mean they have to like, uh, uh, you know, I've never done a vaginal exam, so yeah. I'm only going with what providers have shared with me. Mm-hmm. Um, some have described it where they you know they literally go in and they just put more pressure on it. you know it's it's kind of like a um you know when when you just get your membrane stripped or something that's something that's discussed. so it's it's just a, an aggressive vaginal more aggressive exam. yeah yeah, more aggressive vaginal exam and they use their fingers. but I've had um, providers describe it like when it's a when it's a leap scar, which is that tight rubber band that it feels like purse spring strings opening. Ah. You know, like when it releases, they can feel it like it feels like, you know, mm-hmm. like it, and, and oftentimes the cervix will just open to a dilation, which is where it's supposed to be. So I'd mentioned how women are Gone acting from like, like one like to like five. three or four. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, OK, that makes some more sense. That's how she was acting. Yeah. You know, her body was participating in being five or six centimeters. It's just being held closed. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
3: So, what kind of discussion should a woman be having with her care provider, when, and when should this discussion be happening? Immediately.
0: Yeah. I mean, when she's interviewing a care provider, as far as I'm concerned, but if do you, you know about cervical scar yeah, tissue? Are you yeah. aware of cervical scar tissue? And if I, if because and and she should know her history. She should remember. You know, because it's amazing how many women go, God, you know, I don't remember. Did I have a have I ever had a leap? You know, like, I you thought know. it was so neat at the, uh, I can't
3: remember what baby fair it was, maybe the natural baby fair a couple of years ago, but Ina Mae Gaskin came. She did. And and uh, she said, um, you know, in in this um, focus group that you were doing, you know, we really should pay more attention to what women's medical histories are. Absolutely. You know, it's not just a thing where a woman comes in off the street and, um, you know, and that's, that's not the hallmark of mid- midwifery care. Midwifery right, yeah, care. we have
0: to look at their whole, whole history. Yeah. yeah, their whole history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we move, we change insurance companies, we don't have the same provider. You know, you may go to a different person for, for or you may have gone to a different person for your gynecological procedures. You may have gone to, uh, you know, an, a midwife for other things or an obstetrician for other things. And and um that stuff doesn't carry over what happened at this point provider doesn't carry over to the next provider right so it's important that you are aware of what you've done so that you can have that discussion right but but women taking
3: charge of their own um of their own of health care yeah absolutely this is my body this is my baby and you know yeah yeah.
0: it's so important Mm -hmm. we've been brought up in a culture that says you just do what the that guy over there with a medical degree says but he doesn't know your body the way that you know your body and um well at least i hope that you know your body and you, if you don't you should mm-hmm. but um that you know the the um making sure that your provider and this goes for midwives are perfectly capable in fact i think they're even more capable it seems because they do they are fully aware of cervical scar tissue all the midwives most of the midwives that i've talked to have been seen it, they deal with it, they know how to address it. Um, but uh, the obstetricians have been a little less coming around. Although I, I feel like, um, you know, I've been talking about this for seven years now. So uh, it's now in several childbirth education programs where they're ta- where they talk about cervical scar tissue. And so I think that um, I think the, the, the original blog post I wrote got a lot of attention but i i wrote a follow-up with much more information and stuff and that's been you know read hundreds of thousands of times across the country so the you know the um the awareness is definitely coming and happening so now you
3: mentioned so if a woman has uh a baby or say, say she gets pregnant and she has had previously a um a procedure on her cervix mm-hmm. and then she has that baby vaginally is that scar tissue still an issue at that point or is it completely no, broken up it
0: typically i mean my understanding is that unless you do something else to your cervix it's after that baby it's gone it's gone oh, yeah that's great yeah okay thanks don for joining us today for more
3: information about Dawn and improvingbirth.org visit the episode page on our website this conversation continues for members of our preggy pals club After the show, Dawn is going to be discussing the upcoming Rally for Birth occurring this upcoming Labor Day in locations all over the world. To join our club, visit our website, www.preggypals.com. Hey, we have a comment from one of our listeners. This is from Nicole in Texas. Hey, Preggy Pals. I'm pregnant with our first child, and I desperately want to breastfeed my baby after she's born. I've listened to a couple episodes you've done focused on breastfeeding, but I can't seem to get enough. Is there another resource you can recommend? Hey,
1: everyone. This is Sunny. I'm one of the producers on the show. So thank you for your question. And yeah, regarding breastfeeding, this has always been kind of an interesting topic for us because some of you may know or may not know we have a whole show that focuses on breastfeeding. It's called The Boob Group. You can find all the episodes at theboobgroup.com. It has all the free apps, just like Preggy Pals does. So you can listen to it on the go. So We don't concentrate so much on breastfeeding Because we have a whole show that's dedicated to it And they go into lots of great in-depth information About breastfeeding As well as how to breastfeed in public And how to just cope with all the emotion That that comes with breastfeeding And helping out other mamas who may be having a bad day We talk about everything on that show You know, sometimes we do have uh, breastfeeding episodes On Preggy Pals But I would steer you towards the boob group For everything breastfeeding That's where you're going to get the most comprehensive intensive information. uh, But yes, we're huge (laughs) breastfeeding advocates here at Preggy Pals, and I didn't want to give um, the impression that we weren't. In fact, we're so so into breastfeeding we have a whole show about it. So feel free to check out the boob group at theboobgroup.com.
3: That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers. Twin Talks, for the parents of multiples and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we'll be discussing how you can cope with the nemesis of first trimester women everywhere, morning sickness. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.
1: New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine.